0: You're listening to another life transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Last week was Easter. How did this happen? Where is this year going? What is happening before our eyes that Easter just came and went like that? I'm like, all this anticipation to the greatest day of the year where Jesus rose from the dead and we celebrate, and then it's gone. But all that to say, as I was preparing for today, because we're still in the preaching series, the weekend that changed the world. Because last weekend was the weekend that changed the world 2,000 years ago. And what I discovered is it doesn't end there. Jesus raises from the dead and then walks the earth for 40 days. So if I was Jesus, I'm thinking I would wanna go straight to heaven. If I get to live in heaven forever and there's a throne waiting for me, why wouldn't I just wanna do that? But no, he decides to spend the next 40 days after he raises from the dead. And I believe that it is very intentional and there are things that he preaches, things that he does that preach in those 40 days that I wanna look at this morning with you. And so, you know, most of you probably heard of the Great Commission. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you probably heard of the Great Commission. And a lot of people confuse it with the great suggestion, but it is the great commission. And it's the reason why Jesus came and rose from the dead to make disciples and to move forth the kingdom of God in the world that we know today. And so in Matthew 28:19 to 20, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the father of the son and the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. This morning I wanna focus on this whole idea of discipleship because what I believe and what I hear and what I see is that so many people overcomplicate it. Right. And I don't know about you, but I'm a simple person. <laughs> I don't like to overcomplicate things yeah. and I like to know what does this mean for me. And so discipleship actually means something for everybody yeah. who calls themselves a Christian yeah. right. because the scripture says so. And so today I want to dispel any complication and actually let you know that discipleship is not complicated, but it is intentional. And so every person here will be discipled at some point in your life, and you will also disciple someone at some point in your life. Whether you know it or not, you probably have already done these things. At the end of this message, you'll probably realize, oh yeah, I have been discipling so and so, even if it wasn't intentional. But now... The frame of reference is to be intentional with it. And so the title of my message this morning is One Step Ahead. Because I believe that if anybody is one step ahead of you in any area of life, that you can actually disciple them and you can be discipled by them. And so one step ahead, whether it's in health, whether it's in obviously spirituality in our walk with God, whether it is in marriage, whether it is in parenting, in any area of life, if you can identify somebody that is one step ahead of you in any of these areas, they qualify to disciple. Now, the reason why a lot of people have an issue with that is because that means that you have to rely on other people. And that means that you have to let other humans who are humans and all their humanity speak into your life and into your world and into your situations yeah. and we all know that we're, we're an imperfect bunch of people yeah. trying to live the best life that God has intended for us yeah. and I love our church because a couple years ago Pastor Jurgen he said our church C3 church is a house of transformation yeah. Yeah. and why that's so incredible is because you know, a lot of people go to church on a Sunday just to say they went to church and to feel good about their life, and then nothing changes. And they look at their life five years later, all the while being in and out of church, yet th- their life looks the same. At C3, it's very different. I can tell you that because it's happened in my own life. Walking into this church over 13 years ago, giving my life to Jesus, and I've watched everything around me become more fruitful than it ever would have been. Before, And I can tell you that I, I came in here a broken girl who had, ha, still has, but I don't come under it. I come above it now. I have divorce in my uh, family history, alcoholism, and I was the most shy person. You probably didn't meet me because I was so shy. <laughs> it was a challenge for me because I joined the, um, well, it's now called the Pathways classes, but back then it was called DNA And I did check-in at DNA, and it made me scared because that means I had to talk to people. But I've watched God take me on a journey to develop the things inside of me that I would have never thought would be developed before. And that's why C3 is a house of transformation because we don't want you to stay where you're at. We want you to change in all the right ways. So one step ahead. I want to bust a a bubble real quick before we get into all this. With it being said that you can be discipled by the people around you as you should be discipled by the people in your circles and the relationships that you have. A lot of people think that it's only the pastor or the leader that can disciple. And I want to let you know that your pastors aren't perfect. Okay? (laughs) So you're a human. We're a human. If we forget to text you back, call you back, didn't say hi to you in the foyer, if your Connect leader didn't remind you about Connect Group that week, or your volunteer oversight forgot to say thank you for serving, I just want to let you know that that there there must be a level of grace with the people that you are looking up to. Because we're all on a journey. And the beauty about discipleship is it's the right word, malleable, it changes depending on the person and the season and the situation of life that they're in. And so everyone's kind of on these different wavelengths of growth and on these different wavelengths of discipleship. And that's our job is to recognize where the person's at and not hold the bar here when a step in the right direction actually is worthy of praise in that person's life. And so... We don't expect perfection at all. We expect progress. We expect to start to see healthy fruit. We expect to see you transforming into the the person that God's called you to be. We don't want you to become Jesus is all I'm trying to say because there's only one Jesus. So how do you know if you should be discipled by a particular person in your circle? The answer to that is to look at their fruit. So everything in the Bible, judge a tree by its fruit. And I wanted to speak into one area that I've been hearing a lot of, and it has to do with social media. Social media is a huge thing right now. It causes so many good things, but like everything, without balance, it causes many negative things. And so now that I've been getting more involved in, you know, helping with the My City Youth and the... Uh, Young adults, who's now called young adults. (laughs) It's amazing because when you ask a youth person these days, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's not, I don't hear firefighter, and I don't hear teacher. I don't hear police officer. The common answer is influencer. That is cool. That is really, really great. You should be an influencer, but... You must have fruit to influence. And so we can look on social media and we can see these influencers who have hundreds of thousands of followers. But I'm telling you, when I did my research, that the way you get more followers is the the more attractive you are. And the more you relate with the world around you. To me, that's not fruit. To me, that's not fruit that you can follow. And so while I think it's great, I follow fashion people. I want to know what's in today. I want to know what I should be, you know, I want to stay ahead of the curve in the fashion area. It's good. It's a good thing. But if we're going to follow someone that actually ha- you want to have weight in your life on social media, look at the fruit behind what they're creating. And because we've moved, we're we moving farther and farther away from personal relationship and more into this internet relationship I don't even know what you call it I don't even know if you call it a relationship Um, but we move more and more we we are creating a gap in the realm of a personal relationship as we do that we have to be so so careful when we're looking through the social media reels and scrolling to make sure what we're looking at is real and it's real fruit and having wisdom in what we follow and the weight that it carries in our life And so the number one prerequisite for discipleship is relationship, relationship. I would value someone speaking into my life if I had someone come to me and say, I noticed this part, Uh, I noticed you doing this, and I just want to speak into that. I would value that a thousand times more than looking on social media as someone I don't know and taking wisdom from that. And the reason why a personal relationship is so important is because discipleship is delivered in truth and love. And so if, if, you're, if you're expecting to disciple someone, but you have no relationship, the truth that is delivered cannot be received because there's no love with it. The Bible talks about perfect balance of mercy and truth. And so what happens when discipleship doesn't happen? What happens when we don't speak truth? What happens when we don't invite people to church? What happens when we don't help people through situations? What happens when a mom is a first-time mom and she has no idea what to do and she has nobody to call and ask for advice? Crazy things happen. And we see it, we see it happening because there is a lack of discipleship. And I believe there's a lack of discipleship because people are so overwhelmed with what the concept is. They're so overwhelmed thinking they're not good enough. They're so overwhelmed thinking that person's not good enough to disciple me. But if we just make it simple and look at the importance of discipleship and realize if we don't want to see abortion laws passed, if we don't want to see laws being passed that take away our parental rights, if we don't want to hear of terms called eco-sexuals. I just heard of that this week. I'm like, these people believe that the earth will be saved if we have sex with it. Like, it is absurd the things that people are believing and teaching. To get someone to believe that? Like, it's absurd. And so this, these are the types of things that by the time it gets to me, it's honestly too late. By the time it gets to me, it's because someone back here didn't freaking tell that person they were crazy. I believe discipleship can, can happen in any, any realm. You are a Christian and you encounter someone that sounds crazy, help them. You're crazy, what are you thinking? That's absurd. Where there's a lack of discipleship, there's a lack of the kingdom of God being advanced. Where there's a lack of discipleship, the enemy gets in here. The enemy gets a foothold. And that's why us as Christians, we're called to be the light. We're called to be the salt in, in this earth and help people create fruit in their lives. And so I want to look at those 40 days where Jesus came back. And instead of going straight to heaven, he decided, made a conscious choice to stay here for 40 days and teach us some things. So the first thing that becomes very clear in the Bible is in a story that's going to get on, go on the screen. It's in Luke 24. The first point is Jesus wants to have a personal rela- wants us to have a personal relationship with him and a personal revelation of him. Luke 24 says this, 13 to 16. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. In this story, you see two men. After the crucifixion had happened, you see two men who are walking seven miles. That's a long way to walk. Walking seven miles. And they are just talking about the events that had just happened, how horrible it was. This was so horrible, Jesus died. And Jesus comes and starts walking with them. And they're just talking about how bad it was and how horrible it was. And their faces are down, the Bible says. So much that they don't even recognize Jesus walking with them. How many times does that happen for us? How many times are we faced with a situation and we get so far in, stuck in it in our own minds and so far stuck that Jesus is in it the whole time? God is in the situation the whole time. We just don't recognize him. Wow. One of my most favorite scriptures in the Bible is Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. Yeah. I love God, so I must trust that he is in the situation and he's working every single bit of it out for good. Yeah. What happens next? Luke twenty four seventeen to 18. Still walking with him. So he starts talking to them. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these last days? You're the only one here that doesn't know what flipping just happened. Why are you asking me this? So Jesus not only is walking with him, his presence is there, they don't recognize him. Then he starts talking and they still don't recognize him. We go after things, we bind things, we crush things, we want to stick our heel in the devil's face. And all these things, but we forget to recognize that Jesus is in it, God is in it, and he's speaking to us. You know, we were faced with a crazy situation when we first said yes to coming, being campus pastors here at North Campus. And it was a massive step for us. We were central campus for 11 years, service leaders, heavily involved, served in basically every area you can think of, got asked to come and, and be a part of North Campus. And my husband said yes, and I said no. And somehow we ended up here. <laughs> and I just said no out of fear. I didn't, Not because I didn't love you guys. But um, within a few weeks, my husband had to let someone go at one of his practices. And this... Just, the lady went crazy. She went completely crazy and pretty much started texting my husband saying, you can't fire in the state of California, all this stuff. I know the employment laws. Everything you did was wrong. You did it the wrong way. You're going down. You are going down. And it was so intimidating because you hear these stories of how people get sued for no reason, and then it takes them out, and you hear these. And so, it, it resonated in my mind in a really bad way, going, oh my gosh, we're going down. This lady said, I know you have two kids. They're never going to go to college because you're not going to be able to afford it because I'm going to take you out for everything you've got. She said, I drove by your house. I see what you have. You better like it now because you're not going to have it for long. Crazy things. Evil, evil things. And it was in the moment to be, completely vulnerable, I didn't see Jesus in it. I didn't go straight to God. That's why I can preach on it now and learn a lesson from the situation because I didn't go straight to God. I went to fear, and I remember even calling Pastor Leanne and being like, I just hope that they don't take our house. And I just got so sucked in, spiral, and that's what we do. A thing comes up that is, sounds so crazy and outlandish, but all of a sudden, we're stuck. You, we spiral. Our minds take us places, they never should go. So I was stuck at the bottom. And I felt in a moment, I was like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. No way on my watch is this going to happen. So I grabbed my husband. I said, we're taking communion. We're going to get rid of this situation. I wrote scriptures on my mirror. I wrote, no weapon form against us shall prosper. I said, God, you are in control of this situation, and sure enough, it, it was a journey. It was a journey, I'm telling you, but two years later, everything was washed away. We actually fa- got favor with her attorney. How does that happen? Thank you, Jesus. We got favor with her attorney who's defending her, and then everything, all things worked together for good for those who love the Lord, and the situation was gone but I'm telling you to go from that point of feeling like that situation was going to take us out to then being on top of that situation. In the moment, you realize that God has got this. And so I encourage us when, because we are Christians, we have a personal relationship with Jesus. Everything that we look at, every circumstance, every person around us, even our image of ourselves changes. And we must go from a place to where we have not only a head knowledge of who Jesus is, but a heart knowledge. So that everything that comes up, our default is Jesus, because our heart is so aligned with his heart. That when we're in our circumstance, then when we're walking downtrodden and sad, Jesus comes in and we recognize him immediately. Not like these two men, not recognizing him or hearing his voice. I want to do something right now. I know that there are people here that have never even met Jesus or knows <laughs> really what I'm talking about right now. And when I came to this church, the first Sunday I came, I gave myself to God. I committed my life to God. And I, I want to take the moment right now to, to give the opportunity if people are here and they have never met Jesus because that is the foundation of everything that I'm talking about today. I remember in service just knowing that I needed God when I first got saved. And I know there are people here that are facing things that look bigger than even our God can handle. But I'm telling you, if you are able to give your life, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your spirit over to a God that cares way more about that situation than you can ever care about it, That he will meet you right where you're at, right in your seat, right now, today. And so, let's just bow our heads. I'm just going to do very quickly, 30 seconds. Just, I want to give the opportunity to people to meet Jesus this morning. So if that's you, just lift your hand. I'm not going to call anyone out. It's just for God to see. God, I give this over to you. God, I give my life to you. God, I want to know you. Thank you, sir. God, every situation, every circumstance, I give over to you right now. If that's you, go ahead and lift your hand. We have one here. Thank you. God sees your hand. God knows where you're at. God knows your heart. And it's a bold thing to do to raise your hand and go give over all the trust. Thank you. Thank you, love. Thank you, lovely. Thank you up there. Hands all over the place. You guys can look up at me. We're going to have some people come to you. If you raise your hand afterwards just to give you a Bible and pray with you for whatever need you have. Can we give God a hand? All right. We got the most important part out of the way. Got the most important part. The most important part to God is reconnecting with the heart of his people. God gives us free will. He doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't make us do anything. He gives us free will. And when we make the choice to say, I'm yours, God, there is a party in heaven. The angels rejoice. So it is such an incredible thing. Number two. Yes, number two. Jesus prioritizes the church. So in these 40 days, the second thing I want to point out that happens, Jesus prioritizes the church. You know, sometimes I think people get Starbucks in church confused. Yeah. <laughs> get ready. You walk into Starbucks. You say, can I please get a venti, half milk, steamed, not so hot, just warm, caramel macchiato with half the whipped cream and a little bit of drizzle, and make sure you put the right lid on it that I can actually put a straw in. Thanks. And they say, okay, no problem. They don't even, they're great. I love Starbucks. You can get whatever the heck you want. They even serve things that aren't on the menu. I went in the other day and I was like, oh, my kids want something to drink. They're like, oh, we'll make you this and this and this. I'm like, great, that's not on the menu, but great. So we do this and then they ask you, what's your name? And you even get to put your name on it. (laughs) And I think it's hilarious because I've even done this myself. Then they give you the drink and they give it to you without a straw. Thanks, California. <laughs> no straws allowed. They give it to you without a straw. I'm like, how am I supposed to drink this? And then you have to ask for a straw. And then we walk along our merry way. I see this happening in church all too often. People come in, they have a certain way they want it, they have a list, they have their perfect order of how they want church to be, how they expect church to be. They want their name on it, specifically how they want it. And then they get upset when the church doesn't offer a straw. They get upset and they leave because it wasn't the order, the custom order that they were expecting. We are so freaking extra these days. We are so extra. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to say it. As Christians, let's be bigger than that. Let's know, the church is built up of people. First sign that we should just take a step back is that the church is made up of people. So these people are imperfect people that will offend you, that might not say hi to you or thank you for doing this or that. And we must realize that this is the church, but guess what, it's the only boat that's floating It's the only boat that's actually spreading the gospel and it's the only boat that's actually making a difference in bringing light to a dark world. And I just want to encourage us that when we think about the church and when we come to church and serve and when we invite our friends to church, that we need to not have this expectation of what it should be. And if it's making a difference then let's thank God for it. Right. All too often, I start to hear, and I'm gonna to get to the reason why Jesus prioritizes the church here in a second. All too often, I hear people dishonoring the church or dishonoring the leadership or dishonoring different people within the church. And I just think to myself, wow, we've lost perspective. Right. Yeah. Because when we start to dishonor the thing that God has called us to, And the thing that God has called us to make a difference in, then what does that say about us? And I can't say I've never been guilty. I'm I'm preaching this to you because I can't say that I've never said one wrong thing about the church. So I want to encourage us today, and let's look at the story of Peter. Because Peter is funny, he's a funny guy. So the Bible says he's enthusiastic, strong-willed, he's impulsive, he's a little outlandish. Essentially, he's a little crazy. When I was reading about Peter, it reminded me of my husband. <laughs> In all the good ways. But also, he's the one, so he becomes, he becomes Jesus' best friend. He becomes Jesus' first disciple. But he also, yet on the other hand, is the one that denies Jesus three times. How interesting is that? So here we have the crucifixion happens, and Peter, after he denies Jesus three times, Jesus dies on the cross, and Peter just is lost. He doesn't even know what to do with himself. So being the fisherman, that's his calling, and that's what he's gifted at, so he goes fishing, of all places. He goes fishing. And he goes back to where he first met Jesus, And I believe that he goes back to that place because he's so taken out by the circumstances and taken out by the situation that he goes out to sea and starts fishing. And interestingly enough, in John 21, 1 to 3, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. By the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas and all these guys were together. (laughs) I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. See, all along Peter was called to be a vital role in building the church. Just like all along, the moment you said yes, the moment you responded to Jesus, the moment that you said yes to serving, or any of these things, the calling doesn't go away. So Jesus had this, or I'm sorry, Peter had this calling, but he made a couple bad choices, said some wrong things, and it took him out. So we need to go back to the place where he met Jesus. In John 21, four to seven, it says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. So Jesus shows up, thank God. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say that, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped in the water. So what I want to say to you today is that for whatever whatever place you're in, in the church, like I said before, everyone is on a journey. Whatever place you're in, if you found your place yourself complacent or the language that you speak around the church is not le- like it once was, or if being out and about and you have a lack of um, passion to invite people to church, then I want to let you know, go back to the place in your mind when you first met Jesus. Go back to the place in your mind when you first said yes to the call that he has for you. And I want to encourage people here this morning to re-engage. And the reason why I can speak into this is because I've been going through a season myself. I just had my third child. And like I said, he's an angel baby. Little Merrick. He's amazing. He's perfect. He hardly cries. So I want to spend every waking moment with this little five-month-old. But I know the calling that God has placed on my life. And so... I have been in a season where I got to get back to what's made me passionate about the things and the calling that God has on my life. And so just as it is for me, it is for all of us. When we get to a moment, because we all will hit the moment where we need to be reminded of what happened the day and the moment that we met Jesus and said yes to the call he has for us. So then after all this happens, Jesus commands Peter to help build the church. And then he, the first time he preaches, 3,000 people get saved. In Acts, it talks about that. It talks about building the church. Feed my people. Love my people. Jesus asks him to feed his lambs, take care of his sheep, and feed his sheep. Jesus prioritizes the church. Amen. And then point number three, as we start to come to a close. This is my favorite. This is my favorite part. This is the icing on the cake, number three. Jesus wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So give, he commands us with a great commission. He asks us to build the church, and then he says, you get to do all of that, and the way you'll do it is by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's so many amazing things about the Holy Spirit that you could teach five hours on the Holy Spirit and not cover every incredible thing, that thank God that he gives us the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 4-5 says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command right before Jesus ascends to heaven. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So in one moment, I'm just gonna give people the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. Because I know if you have never been given the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit, you aren't living the full Christian walk that God has for you. And I see in the world, we see in the world around us, people looking for power in all the wrong places. People are buying crystals because they think if they put this crystal in their house that all the evil will go away. One of the most profound but simple things I ever heard was if I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, then I can trust that any evil spirit that is around me cannot have access into me. And so this moment happened for me when I first got saved and I had Pastor Juergen on my left and Pastor Leon on my right, I was only a few weeks saved and I was over at their house for a prayer meeting and they just both said, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, okay. And I had an open heart and an open mind and I received the Holy Spirit in that moment. And the fruit of, of knowing if you've received the Holy Spirit or not is that you have a prayer language uh, of tongues, you can speak in tongues. And I'm telling you in that moment, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues. And it was like the weight of the world lifted, lifted off of me. And I wanna pray over everyone that's here that wants to receive the Holy Spirit, but then I also want afterwards, if you raise your hand here in a moment, that we're gonna have our ministry team here. Because I really believe that if you can have a personal moment with someone who can walk this through with you, that it'll bring that much power to it. So right now, if we don't have to close our eyes. We don't have to close our eyes, but if you want to receive the Holy Spirit today, just lift your hand. I'm not gonna call anyone out. I am just, just wanna see, yeah, beautiful, yes. Your life is about to change, like in the most powerful, amazing way. Anyone else? Just want me to say a quick prayer to receive the Holy Spirit so i assume everyone else then is filled with the holy spirit so if everyone can just lift your hands we're going to pray over these few people that that desire the holy spirit god i thank you i pray right now that the holy spirit would enter the people that raised their hands this morning i pray filling of the holy spirit right now i thank you god for our personal touch i thank you lord that they are going to experience the most powerful moment of their life by receiving the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that there will be a supernatural edge that the world is looking for when your people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that these people that that desire your Holy Spirit would receive it. When you ask, you shall receive God. So I thank you for those hands that, that lifted God. Thank you, Jesus, that they are baptized. In Jesus' name.